Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to Rev with Rachel, where we recreate, enlighten, and vibrate in our radiance. I am Reverend Dr. Rachel Whetstone, but please just call me Rachel. Today's episode is called Evolutionary Transformation with Dr. Michael Cotton. I was introduced to Michael's work over five years ago when I was working out of a center for alternative healing and doing shamanic energy healing. The woman I rented from had just returned from what she was telling me was higher brain living training and had something to do with the prefrontal cortex of the brain. I had no idea what she was talking about at that time. And a couple of months later, I went to one of Hope's introductory presentations and I knew that I needed to experience this technique. I went through the program for myself with Hope, and then I went through the Higher Brain Living Certification Program with Michael. I went on to attend several of Michael's retreats in Mexico and Chicago, and I never get tired of hearing him talk about the brain, consciousness, and growth. Dr. Michael Cotton is a leading theorist and teacher of the evolution of consciousness, culture, and the brain. He created Higher Brain Living Technique that shifts energy out of the lower brain and into the higher brain where our potential lives. He has trained and certified hundreds of people in this transformational work and has led retreats in the U.S. and internationally for 20 years. Michael holds a doctorate in chiropractic and has more than 30 years of experience in personal and cultural transformation. He is now introducing for the first time the culmination of his life's work, Source Code Meditation and the Nine Summits of Transformation. His book, Source Code Meditation, will be launching in January. The Source Code Meditation World Headquarters and the Higher Brain Living Institute are located in Chicago, Illinois. Welcome, Michael. Hi, Rachel. It's great to have you here. It's fantastic to be here. Before we dive in, I just want to say first, thank you for inviting me to this and for the what now last few years we've known each other. Mm -hmm. It's been such a pleasure watching your growth and evolution and, and seeing where that is now taking you to what, you know, this podcast is, is part of that. It's just been really rewarding uh, to see who you're becoming. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's been fun. I mean, I'm doing things I never would have thought I would be doing, you know, this becoming a minister, uh, writing a book, you know, so yeah. I, and I attribute higher brain living a lot to my ability to, you know, step beyond my fear and step out of what was comfortable and to make those kinds of leaps in my life. And um, so I thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you for knowing and thank you for showing up. And all higher brain living really does and, and source code meditation is, is unlock that authenticity that's in us anyway. And so it's all coming from the inside out. Yes, I love that. I would love for you to share with our listeners, you know, maybe a lot of them haven't heard about this lower brain, higher brain thing. And so what is that shift from lower brain dominance to higher brain thriving? And why should people be interested in what we are talking about today? Yeah, so it is, to to me, this is not only a story, but it's kind of the story. (laughs) (laughs) The, The inability for humanity 
to access the higher evolutionary potential in their brain is a travesty right now. And uh, the, the major point is, is that our, our brains, that there's, there's a primary, what we call the lower brain. And that lower brain is designed to keep us safe in a predator-rich environment. And that lower part of our brain evolved at a time where humanity was in this constant struggle to just simply be able to wake up alive the next day. Mm-hmm. And, so that, and it's, it's hundreds of thousands of years old. And, the, the, and all it wants to do is protect us from everything around us. And so what's happened through evolution is the way evolution works is that once something that confers this survival advantage is, is created or discovered or, or, or emerges, such as the lower brain, evolution preserves that. And as we as a species move forward in time and continue evolving, what happens, and this is a really important understanding, what happens is that evolution layers over what has already worked. It creates something novel and something new, but it transcends and includes the old. And so the old lower brain that evolved at the time when the environment was predator rich has been transcended by these other layers of the brain. But the key point to remember is that that old lower part of the brain has been in us the longest. It's the most resilient. And even though we now have higher brain layers, and particularly what what we're pointing to, Rachel, is this highest, most recent evolutionary part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex and and that whole apparatus or complex of of higher brain uh, anatomy and physiology, that part of the brain is a recent emergence, but it's relatively untapped. And so what, what what we are as a species right now is we're in this place where we're, we're, where we have this higher brain potential, mm-hmm. that old lower survival brain hijacks our ability to upload energy into those newly emergent evolutionary structures. And so uh, I would like to kind of go on and, and unpack some of that if, if that's okay with you, or do you have any, any comment or anything you need to pause for a moment around that? No, I love that. And so, yeah, keep talking about what that looks like, that lower brain shift into that higher brain. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so what we have then now is, is that we go through life with this lower brain dominance because, it again, it evolved at a time when the environment was full of predators. And most of the time humanity has been on this planet it's been full of predators and that's what we've had to try to deal with. And so we have brain strategies in us very good at that. But mm-hmm. once we kind of accomplish that, evolution is trying to go somewhere. It's trying to take us somewhere. And it's now trying to take us out of this fight or flight protection type of physiology, out of this defensive mode and into something new. But evolution isn't a perfect process. In fact, sometimes it just erases its mistakes and moves in a different direction. But what evolution has provided is this new higher brain. And here's what's interesting about that. That new higher brain, uh, Dr. Paul McLean, the famous researcher, neuroscientist, brain researcher from the National Institutes of Mental Health, 
was one of the first to articulate these layers of the brain. And he didn't even understand until very late in his career that there was this new, what he calls this fourth evolutionary brain structure and system. That's the prefrontal cortex and that whole apparatus. And he coined the term for that part of the brain, the angel lobes, because, the, because that part of the brain has to get energy, has to wake up and has to become more dominant for us to experience what we think of, again, as angel qualities, right? Or these higher in human capacities. So it's, it's energy in the higher brain that allows us to have higher states of consciousness, that allows us to experience purpose and authenticity in life, that it allows us to have increased compassion, that allows us to have deep spiritual experience. It requires energy into those higher brain evolutionary structures. And here's the big key, Rachel, and here's the challenge that we're at. We're at this, what I feel is this real fulcrum or transition point that we have to help evolution across this chasm. Because in one respect, we are evolution, right? And we're waking up to this. And so we can help move in the direction that evolution is now trying to go. But the problem is, that we have built this world around us and this life around us that is incredibly complex. Mm-hmm. I know that your listeners know it. Everyone knows it. We're having a hard time keeping up with the demands of modern living. There's simply too much complexity out there. You see it in our political systems. You see it in our educational systems. We don't know what to do. We don't know what's true. We don't know what's no, not true. We don't know where to source our, our information. And so we're in this place where there's all of this complexity in our world. And all of that is being filtered through these lower brain survival strategies. And lower brain survival strategies cannot deal with complexity that they didn't evolve to be able to adapt to. Mm-hmm. So what, what happens is they're hijacking potential or flow of energy up into these higher brain structures. So the lower brain faced with complexity hunkers down. And what it does is try to create or recreate our quote unquote old life. Mm-hmm. Because our old life, this is a really important, this is a takeaway uh, understanding here is that our old life got us to the point we are. And the point that we are right now, you and I and all of our listeners, is we're alive. And all the lower brain cares about is that we're alive. That's the primary mandate of lower brain physiology. So what happens is, is that the lower brain rewards the behavior that we have been repeating that's led to our being alive. The challenge is, is that that's in opposition to our growth and evolution, because we have to be to create a new life. We have to get energy into the new brain, but the lower brain resists that because sameness equals safety to the lower brain. So if you do what you've always done, you will stay alive. That's what's happened so far. Mm-hmm. The higher brain doesn't just want to be alive. It wants to experience purpose and meaning and deep spiritual experience. And to do this, we have to transcend those survival strategies but the complexity of the life we're in causes the lower brain to basically hunker down and 
tighten its grip so that we keep replaying the same life. And so when we started this, I said, I think this is the issue because because it's hard for anything to work, whether we're talking about, in my opinion, whether we're talking about spiritual approaches or alternative healing methods or traditional healing methods or psychotherapy or life coaching or meditation, it's very hard for any of these things to work if we're introducing them into brain physiology that doesn't want to change yeah right and so the shift the shift that we're speaking of is being able to shift the command center the center of gravity from this lower brain processing into this awakened higher brain state where we see the world in a completely new way and the higher brain is able to process complexity. It's able to even find the simplicity on the other side of complexity to start aligning oneself with our purpose and for life to become this flow and synchronistic. And and so that's my life's work has been devoted in one form or another Mm -hmm. to helping humanity make the shift from this survival brain from the brain that wants to survive to move it into the brain that's trying to thrive and create a new world yeah I think that's so true I I remember distinctly feeling for what I call my awakening was just trying to get through the day I remember when my kids were little and I was working on research I was like okay I just need to make it through the day and then I get to go to bed so I can rest up and then just try to get through tomorrow (laughs) Yeah, and it it was so liberating to finally have a greater vision and free myself from that cycle in my experience and in my mindset and everything. It's really powerful work. Yes, and that uh, man, just thank you for saying that. That just really, I'm, I'm really, I'm really feeling that because it, to me, it's just it's such a tragedy that because what I know, Rachel, is that what you just said you were experiencing, that's what most of American culture is now experiencing. And most of uh, uh, culture around the world, for that matter. I mean, I'm in the the heart, I'm in Chicago, Illinois. So I'm, you know, this point is American culture, but I also study cultures. And so I know this is going on everywhere. And the, the sense is, right, is that how do I just get through another day? But think about what, what, What's what that really means? What that means is how do I survive? Right. It means the lower brain is dominating my life because all it's trying to do is figure out how to keep me safe. And so I, I don't know how to adapt to the complexity of the modern world and my modern life. And so what I do, the default mode is for the lower brain to tighten its grip and say, let's just figure out how to keep you safe and keep you alive and that sucks the life out of our soul right because we know in us there's so much more than that but it but and so my part of this story is that it's not it's not just the understanding that there's more into us or the understanding that we can have more purpose in life or deeper spiritual experience or that we can create a meaningful life what i'm insisting is that there's a biological reason this is happening. And that until we actually energize the part of the brain where that new life is possible, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And can you talk about, because I've heard you talk about before, that as long as we're kind of operating in this lower brain and perceiving life as stressful, that our, our heart, like that energy center, can't truly open. Can you kind of speak around yes. that and what that looks like? Yes, I love, Rachel, how you just jump in with the little simple uh, questions, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm sir. all about simplicity. <laughs> No, in all seriousness, I'm not my, I do, this is the stuff that I like to talk about, right? Yeah. This, is, this is the stuff that really turns me on. And this is, this is why uh, yeah, Mark, Mark Twain um, famously said, the two most important days in a person's life, one, the day they're born, and two, the day they find out why they were yes. born, right? Yep. And, and so I found out why I was born and, 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 and this is the conversation I want to have. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> and, and part of this, this whole drive for me is that, man, the world needs people finding out why they were born and living, as you're doing right now, Rachel, as a beautiful example of this, right, as, as the, the growth in you of, of, you know, of not just saying, wow, my authentic self is stepping into itself, but to actually do it, right? To take the action, to put the pedal down and say, I know who I am. I know why I'm born and I need to do this and that you're actually doing it. So that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. I, uh, I got a little off track, as you know, I tend to do when I get kind of excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me your question again. Yep. I just wanted you to talk about if we're perceiving life as stressful, we're kind of stuck in our lower brain. And so our heart can't yes. open. Okay. So here's what happens is that if we, uh, if we understand that most of humanity's plight on this planet has been one of survival. And that lower survival brain is very embedded, very locked down, very resilient, and very alive and well in us today. So there's a physiology to how we experience the world. Now, ask yourself this. If I'm in an environment full of predators, if I look up and there are tigers racing at me, am I likely to go through life or to go through that environment with my heart open. And I mean this literally, not as a metaphor, right? It's because there's a physiology. We talk about these things like, hey, having your heart open. What I'm saying is there's a physiology for this. And the heart opens in the higher heart. And, And so if we're in this environment, that we feel like we have to protect ourselves. Just, just take you, you and your listeners, just take yourself now and, and sit your posture up and arch your low back and open your arms up and drop your shoulder, pull your shoulders back and lift your heart up skyward. And now think about if you were in a dangerous environment, is that how you're going to go through it? And no. the answer is, of course, no. Yeah. Right. So how are you going to go through it? You're going to arch your back the other way. You're going to bring your hands into this protective posture. You're going to tighten up the muscles in your back and neck. This is all stress physiology. This is lower brain physiology. Mm -hmm. The point being is that when we make the shift to the higher brain, one of the things that consistently happens 
is fear starts to dissipate. Now, why would that be? Well, because fear is the primary underlying emotion of lower brain physiology. If you are scared of what's in your environment, you're much more likely to protect yourself from it. And so from the higher brain, we access these capacities where we can see that, hey, I'm not in danger. And if I were, the lower brain can still work but it doesn't need to be the dominant mode of high relate to the world. So we get into this higher brain, we access these transcendent flow states, we unlock our purpose. And when that happens, fear dissipates. Well, when fear dissipates, the heart can open because there's nothing out there that I have to be afraid of. And this organically happens. I know you felt this, Rachel, through, yeah. through the, these techniques is that organically the heart starts to open and what happens then, and I believe I'm going to really stretch it now, Rachel, because this is your show and I know you're okay with this. What happens then is what I believe we create the physiology of the new human. And that is the physiology of not only the higher brain getting energy, but the higher heart opening and those two structures becoming dominant and integrating or synchronizing so that they become the pace setter of our entire body and physiology. And and we start to go through life from this transcendent flow state of the higher brain, fearless flow state of the higher brain, synchronized to the love and compassion and embodiment of the heart. And those two things become one as we go through the world. And that's, that's the physiology of what I believe is the new human. And enough new humans create a new culture. And that's, what I'm, that's why I was born. To yeah. help. Yeah. And the world needs that now. Yes. Yeah. We're going to pause here for a commercial, and we will have more with Dr. Cotton when we return. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's Virtual Office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Welcome back. You are listening to Rev with Rachel. I am Reverend Dr. Rachel Whetstone, but you can call me Rachel. I am speaking with Dr. Michael Cotton, a leading theorist and teacher of the evolution of consciousness, culture, and the brain. Before we took a break for commercial, he was talking about our potential. And Michael, I'd love to have you speak more about that potential because I know I've heard you talk about that inner wisdom, you know, tapping when, when our heart is open, there's a inner wisdom and a truth that we can tap into from the inside. Can you speak kind of to that potential and, and what that looks like in our lives? Yes. Uh, so 
I, I talked earlier about the complexity of the modern world and our lower brains not being able to process it. And what happens is we go into overload and overwhelm and stress and anxiety and all of this stuff that is really nothing more than the lower brain tightening its grip because it can't deal with the modern life. And so what happens is that when we're in survival, we're not in flow, we're not creating meaning, we're not creating our purpose. And what has happened now is that our modes of making sense out of the world are no longer working. It feels like everything is paradoxical. Like we don't know what is true anymore. I mean, you see this, you, you see this explosion of, uh, I, I don't want to go political here because that, that's really not the point. The point is, is just this confusion in our cultures about, you know, what, what is happening is, you know, did, did the Russians really hack the U.S. election or did they not hack the U.S.? And, and all of these ideologies that are competing and the, and the inability for people to really find out to discover what's true. And what, what this is doing is what we're experiencing are the limitations of our brain as it is currently structured and where the energy is flowing we've hit the limits we're on cognitive and physiological overload and we can no longer make sense and make meaning out of reality from these brain structures or what areas are energized and so what what happens when we get into the higher brain and the heart opens is we literally start to source truth in completely new ways. And we start to access what I call transrational modes of knowing, right? The yep. rational mode of knowing is how we've made sense of the world since, let's say, the Western Enlightenment, uh, where we, we're able to you know, use these kind of deductive modes of these, this either-or thinking and what's happened now is that it just is failing us with all this complexity and so rationality is still a valuable tool but we have to go deeper and that deeper is what I call transrational beyond rationality into insight and intuition this has even been I mean I know some of this talk sounds like I'm kind of really, you know, stretching these things out there, but this, there's a hard science behind what I'm saying. Yeah. Biologist Rebecca Costa has, has written an entire book now with the key part of that book being based on that to solve the problems that we are facing as individuals and collectively, we have to access the insight that's transrational. And to do that, we have to energize the higher brain structures. And so in us are these deeper truths, these deeper ways to make sense of the world, these different ways to transcend, to tap our intuition, to tap our soul's wisdom, to tap those insights that are in there, to not abandon rationality, but to transcend it and be able to source truth from something that's deeper and more pure, where we have confidence and conviction 
in how we're living our life. And to me, it all starts with that shift to the phys- in the physiology into the higher brain. Yeah, that's so true. And I feel like I've experienced that in my life and almost feeling more more guided and taking the, like knowing what that next step is and not having doubt and worry around it. It was my, you know, the next step is clear and it's kind of, I can step into it easily instead of having, you know, having to create drama or frustration (laughs) and and all of that or overanalyzing too and and doubting, um, doubting any kind of next step or where, where to move to. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. So what about the higher brain and spiritual experiences or like our ability to know God or to feel connected to the universe and to really feel that faith on the inside instead of just faith in something that we haven't experienced? Can you speak to what the higher brain has to do with that? Yeah, well, Rachel, can we talk about something else? I don't really feel like the ability to know God or connect with the universe <laughs> is very important. And yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm aren't there other important things to talk about? <laughs> Yes. No, thank you. As as you know, you know me and this is, this is the stuff that really drives me. Right. And so, um, yeah, so here's the thing is that any experience, any experience has a correlation in our brain. The first thing is just to connect that dot, any state of consciousness, any thought, any emotion, has a correlation in our brain. And so to be able to, for instance, have high-end human experience, to have a oneness experience, to have a direct communion with your God, to have an experience of God, to have, or whatever your, your, your language is, to, to find this ultimate absolute consciousness or divinity or whatever that is to you. The point is, is that to have that experience, it requires certain things happening in your physical brain. Because if you're going to experience God, for instance, or a oneness state, if you're going to do that, in this body that you have, you have to get the energy in the part of the brain that is correlated with that experience, right? And so so what is the missing piece so often? Again, the missing piece is that we seek to know our soul. We seek these oneness experience. We seek these transit states. We seek a relationship with God. And all the while, we have this physiology that's locked into this fight or flight survival physiology that is not conducive to having that experience. So if we change the brain, if we get energy into the higher structures of the brain that research shows us, right? We know, for instance, that 40-year meditating Tibetan monks that are at the top of their game, when they enter into samadhi states of consciousness, when they're in these oneness states, we know that energy builds in certain areas of the higher brain. So what I have said is, what if we can just shift that higher brain before we do our seeking? Or before we do our meditation, right? Mm -hmm. And so 
because it, it takes inordinate amounts of work of contemplative prayer or meditation or seeking. If the, if the brain is in a state that it doesn't, that, that it can't access that. Mm-hmm. So, so here, here's an important point that I want to make because I'm, I am, if I'm anything, I'm very, I'm an integral uh, meta theorist or meta philosopher. And, and what that means is, is that I look at the whole picture of reality. And as much as I'm talking about the brain, Rachel, and you know, you know, this, I do not reduce everything to the brain. What I am saying is that there's a correlation in your brain, right? This isn't hard to understand. If you're going to have an experience of God, you're going to do that in the body that you have. And in the body that you have, what I am saying is that certain areas of that body, i.e. the higher brain, have to get energy, have to turn on, have to engage for you to have these high-end experiences. Mm-hmm. What I am not doing, and this is just from a personal standpoint, I, I, I don't want to be misunderstood in this way. What I am not doing is making the claim, therefore, that that God is produced by your brain, right? right? That's yep. not at all the statement I am making. What I am making is, just, it, it, here's an analogy. If, if we say, uh, you know, that this, if, if there's a classical uh, music station, we have a radio receiver and there's a classical music station. If that radio receiver is tuned to the, in the wrong way or turned off, it does not pick up the signal so that it can broadcast that classical music. And in the same way, if God is out there, but our receiver is the brain. And if the brain is not tuned in the right way, meaning energy in those higher structures, then our ability to experience the God that may be out there or everywhere is diminished. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So we want to tune the receiver into its highest possible capacities so that it can access more of reality and these higher human potentials. And I like how you talk about the integral nature of, of our body, our mind, emotions, relationships, environment, and how all of that has to be kind of moving um, or have a momentum mm-hmm. forward. You know, we can't just focus on our mind and That's expect right. everything to change around us or, or just, you know, That's right. change our environment. Um, but also, you know, because I think, in society too, when it comes to the body, we're so focused on just like diet and exercise, but we're not looking at the influence of the mind, our relationships, our environment, and how all of that um, affects our body. And it's integral. Can we take a moment? There's, I think, a really exciting way to to make an analogy to to just unpack that that you just said, because I think it'll help make sense of why this integral nature is, is, is so, or integral understanding is so important and yeah, why I, you. why it was important to me to jump in there and say, Hey, listen, don't pigeonhole me in being someone that just says that everything is in the brain. That's not what I'm saying. Right. What, I, yeah. what I'm saying is that our single, in my opinion, our single greatest leverage point as a person or a species to make change right now is to shift energy into that higher brain. But it's the what comes next that's really important. And the what comes next 
has to be filtered or approached from an integral understanding because it's it, it's just the brain just opens the door. If we can shift energy in the high brain, we can open the door. But then we have to walk through that door and go somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And it's and and that is why we have to bring this understanding. And I want to use the analogy that you said is that we tend, and this will really help the listeners understand how important it is to have this integral understanding. And I also want to mention that my work, both higher brain living and source code meditation are basic are based on integral meta theory. And so they lead with shifting energy into the higher brain, but then they have, then it's a very guided yet sophisticated step-by-step way to bring that higher brain awakening into all areas, into your relationships, into your emotions, into your physical body, into the environment, into your financial situation, right? right? It all has to flow through all of these dimensions of your life. And a a quick example of how that can be important is I just wanted to take that piece that you said where you said, hey, you know, there's a tendency to really focus on diet and nutrition and exercise and all of that in the physical body, but that's not enough. And it's often not even enough to change what it is that we first go into the nutritionist or go on the diet or do the exercise. And, he, and, and here's why. So, so if, we, if we realize, for instance, let's just take what I've been talking about with lower brain physiology and the lower brain does not want to change. And what the lower brain does is create that the experience of the lower brain is stress, right? Stress, we, we, we throw that word out all the time, stress, we have stress, oh, yeah. right? But what stress is, is the lower brain in this hyperactive state, not being able to process the world and stress is the experience of that. It's the overwhelm from the lower brain, not having the bandwidth to adapt to the world around it. And so we experience stress. Well, here's what we know about stress and what we know about stress physiology. Stress physiology, because its design is to keep us safe in a predator-rich environment. Stress physiology pulls energy not only from our higher brain, but it pulls energy from our immune system and our digestive system. When we're under stress, literally, Blood flows away from our higher brain. It flows away from our digestive system and it flows away from our immune system and it flows into those lower brain structures that can protect us. Mm -hmm. Here's why. Because if you are being chased by a tiger, digesting food properly is not very important. Right. So it pulls energy and blood flow away from the digestive system. If you are being chased by a tiger, having your immune system fighting pre-cancer cells that may develop in a decade is not very important. You're better off with that energy in the places that can protect you immediately. And so let's, so here we are in this stress physiology state, the lower brain is pulling energy out of the digestive system, out of the immune system. When we go see the nutritionist or the dietitian or the health coach or whatever that is, and we get advice about changing our diet. And now we put all of this expensive organic food in and all of these expensive supplements in, which consequently I'm a fan of. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're not saying don't do that. <laughs> no, we do do that, but 
do it from a higher brain state, not a lower brain state, because the lower brain is hijacking the ability to even properly digest and assimilate that expensive nutrition. Mm -hmm. And so, and so we have to look at all of these areas of our life. And so we can be in, for instance, a, a bad relationship and that bad relationship creates more stress, which creates more hunkering down of the lower brain, which further decreases our ability to assimilate good nutrition. You see, so just putting good food in is not going to solve the problem. Right. And so we have to, what, what, what my work does is help us wake up, wake up that higher brain, wake up to higher states of consciousness. And then it provides the guided, what I call the map and means to bring that into your entire life. And when that happens, we just find our float. Yeah, that's so true. And I've experienced that kind of as I've become more, you know, open-hearted and being able to follow my intuition and guidance. I found that I don't have to be all hyper-vigilant and perfect around trying to get every single supplement. You know, I kind of know what I need and what I don't need. And and I can kind of trust too, trust life. Yeah, that inner wisdom is is directing you. Yeah. yeah, and that's so liberating. Oh my gosh, to yeah. not have to figure everything out and because so we many. Can. We can't. Yeah. We wanted to. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny to me too because I I taught group fitness classes for eighteen years, and I found that I had more energy all of the day when I wasn't working that hard and pushing, you know, as an, as an instructor, I'm like really overdoing it in the front of the classroom. And now, you know, I, I have such an appreciation for going for a walk with no music on, you know, not tuning myself out with the loud music or um, just turning on some music for 15 minutes in my living room and doing some dancing. And I find that very opening and, and getting out of that stress physiology of, you know, rounded shoulders and tight arms and, all of that. Yes. Yeah. Right on. So speak a little bit as we conclude. Tell us more about Source Code Meditation and your book that's coming out. Yeah, so Source Code Meditation is my, uh, my latest work. And you, you actually mentioned January. And the, the publisher has now said that it's, going, it's a what they call a spring launch or in the spring okay. catalog, which means between January and April. And so uh, we'll have the exact date soon, but it, it's, it may not actually be in January. It could be between January and April. Uh, yeah, the book is called Source Code Meditation and the Nine Summits of Transformation. But uh, the good news is you don't have to wait for a book because we are uh, hosting uh, retreats around Source Code Meditation. We have an amazing online program called Source Code Meditation and the Nine Summits of Transformation. Uh, and, and the breakthrough with this is that my other work, Higher Brain Living, which is highly researched, highly effective, and I th- think uh, just a beautiful life-changing process, uh, it requires hands-on facilitation from a trained certified facilitator, which is still the best way to really get the upload of energy to the brain. But source code meditation from uh, years of research, I figured out a way for people to be able to uh, energize their higher brain themselves without having to go to someone else for facilitation. Now, with that said, we still encourage them to do that and we still want them to do that. But we have a 
we have a program now that will take them, uh, what will help them access this energy to the higher brain, wake up the higher brain, and then introduce these new types of meditation techniques. So this is a, a brain first meditation. The breakthrough is, as I, ho hopefully the, your listeners are connecting some dots by now, is that if your brain, if your lower brain is running the show, it takes years of intensive meditation to make change. Mm -hmm. But if we can get energy into the higher brain and then meditate, it happens quickly. And that's what this technique does is teach you to get energy into the higher brain, then meditate and create these profound sh state shifts in consciousness of which we then help direct you through this whole nine summit process of, of being able to take those awakened states into your day-to-day -day life, create the life of, of your dreams. And so uh, source code meditation is uh, my new work that we have uh, now uh, launched retreats, launched online programs, and the results that we're seeing are just extraordinary. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited for this, what we call brain first meditation uh, revolution. That's awesome. And I highly, highly recommend for anyone out there looking to energize their higher brain, get out of their lower brain stress, worry, overwhelm to check, check this out. And what is your website, Michael, if anyone wants to uh, check out your work or source code meditation or to sign up for your webinar? Uh, thank you. And I, I might add also that we, we also, uh, you know, higherbrainliving.com uh, is an awesome website to learn about us. But the new work is Source Code Meditation and sourcecodemeditation.com is that, that website. And you, you, when you access that, there's opportunities, as, as you said, Rachel, to attend live events in some areas for free, to attend webinars anywhere in the world you are. We'll host uh, webinars for free that you can learn about uh, this work and decide if you want to come on retreat with us or if you want to go through uh, one of the online programs or, or any of our different options. So it's sourcecodemeditation.com. Awesome, Michael. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure, Rachel. And thank you. And I, I really mean this. It's just, uh, I'm so happy that you're doing this. I'm, I'm so happy that you discovered uh, you. Yeah, <laughs> and, and <laughs> me too. <laughs> that, right? That you've stepped into that. That's, that's just, uh, it's awesome. The world, there's nothing the world needs more now than people uh, finding out why they were born and, you know, self-actualizing uh, mm -hmm. in this, in this world. So we can make it this, uh, you know, we can create heaven on earth. That's, that's my goal. Yeah. That's my goal too. Yeah. <laughs> I recently launched an app that is intended to support our listeners on your journey to inner healing and radiance. If you want more information on that, you can go to www.rachelapp.com. If you would like access to my free report, Rachel's nine happiness and healing essentials, you can go to my website at www.drrachelw.com and enter your name and email. That has information about nine of my favorite tools for healing and transformation into radiance. And Michael's work is one of my favorites. So you can uh, check that out on there. With that, remember to rev, recreate, enlighten, and vibrate. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, be love.
This is the EWN Podcast Network.